Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, BCQ, WBCQ broadcast out of Monticello, Maine, in a beautiful Arista County. And in addition to being on this fine station, it is also rebroadcast on Podomatic, <coughs> Podomatic.com. You can just put in the engine there, search. Say when you go in, onto that site, you put in um, Camp Constitution Radio, and you get this show. And actually, uh, that's an interesting, uh, Podomatic is an interesting. Uh, entity we are right now we are number six in conservative right programming but we got a long way to go because number one is chris ann hall and she's got 350 plus subscribers and a lot more viewers so uh, we're in sixth place but it's still a long way from first so but we're getting there um also you can hear the show on youtube our camp constitution youtube channel we take some of the better shows and put them up there and this show was broadcast um we usually tape. Excuse me. We usually uh, tape this show a few days in advance. So today you'll be listening to this show on Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all of my listeners all over the world. And I just want to mention today was it's actually Wednesday, Wednesday the twentieth of December, and we uh, I attended a wonderful event, the uh, second annual celebration of the Nativity in State House in Boston, Massachusetts, and there was a nice turnout. There were even some state reps. It was actually sponsored by a state rep. We prayed. We sang Christmas carols. And Pastor, Dr. Pastor Paul Jaley of the Plymouth Rock Foundation gave an incredible presentation on the history of Christmas in New England. And we videotaped that. And I'm actually getting that videotape ready for our YouTube channel. So I think you'd really find out. He also did a tour of the State House prior to the uh, the actual event, and I wanted to videotape it, and Dr. Jelly said he has a, a version that he's going to make available to me that's a little more in depth, in depth. So anyway, I want to welcome our guest, uh, Alex Newman there. Are you there, Alex? I am. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, Alex. great. Yeah, I'm having trouble with the talk show, so usually it will come up and I'll see who's on the line, but I'm getting a blank screen, so I know I know you're a pretty uh, dependable guy, so... Well, Al, well, thank let me, you. well, let me just let me introduce you. Um, Alex Newman is a writer and author. He writes for the New American Magazine, also World Net Daily. He's a co-author of Crimes of, of the Educators. He has traveled all over the world and speaks a whole bunch of languages. I had trouble with one, and you speak five or six fluently. Anyway, you authored a very interesting article just a few days ago on the New American uh, online version dealing with U.N. troops in Chicago. Now, I have been, and our Camp Constitution is uh, an advocate of getting us out of the U.N., 
But uh, tell me about this recent development in uh, Cook County, Illinois. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about it, Hal. It really is uh, kind of makes your jaw fall to the floor. And, you know, Snopes has even done an article where they debunk a straw man related to it. But so what happened, essentially? They have a, a fringe county commissioner up there on Cook County uh, County Commission, which is where Chicago is. His name is Richard Boykins. And uh, he appears to have uh, lived off of the taxpayer his entire life. Actually, it, his bio says that even uh, back in childhood, he... Uh, he was on welfare, which, of course, is not his own fault, but, you know, still today he's employed by the taxpayers. And, um, you know, supposedly his job is to uh, represent his constituents and solve local issues, right, on the county commission level. But instead of actually solving the issues, he decided that the issues were too big for him to solve. And so he went to New York City to ask the United Nations if they would help with peacekeeping in the city of Chicago. Uh, and he literally asked for the deployment of UN peacekeeping troops in Chicago to deal with what he described as a genocide against uh, black people in Chicago. So, uh, you know, there's so much wrong with that. And, that a, is, and uh, of course, the genocide, the genocide is being committed by white conservatives, NRA members, Tea Party patriots that are going to Chicago and commit these evil crimes. Is that uh, the, the, the narrative here? That's exactly right. How you you hit the the nail on the head, and you know the Christians and the Tea Partiers, and it's uh, terrible. You know, absolutely yeah. responsible. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. A few months ago, I had an information table in downtown Boston Common, and a gentleman, a black gentleman, and we had a good conversation. Very friendly guy, but he is of the opinion that white supremacists of its encircling, encircling city, and uh, they're all in the the jails, all the prison guards, potential uh, right-wing extremist neo-Nazis, and it's just any any minute now they're going to pounce upon uh, Boston and the inner cities and, and take out blacks. And I said, where are you getting this information from? I said, because it's total nonsense. I think I was a little more diplomatic. Well, the Southern Poverty Law Center, I said, oh, my goodness, you could say that to be legitimate. But um, it's interesting. I remember the L.A. riots in the wake of the, um, uh, in the aftermath of the Rodney King decision. And I think it was either Henry Kissinger or Christopher Warren, who at that time was a, I saw he was a, a flunky for the Clinton administration. He was in various uh, capacities, and I think he was an ambassador at one time. And I think they advocated, or he advocated, a UN troops be sent to Los Angeles. So this yeah. idea is nothing new. And of course, the New American and Camp Constitution and John Birch Society and other groups have been talking about this for a long time. So let's go into uh, sort of the history of this notion of uh, – actually, let's talk about U.N. troops and their beautiful history of peacekeeping and saving millions of lives. You know, it, it really is one of the most atrocious things that you can conceive of. And, and I mean, I think a normal, everyday person would struggle to even comprehend the depravity of some of these UN troops. And, you know, a lot of people like to say, well, it's, you know, it's just a few bad apples, it's just a few isolated cases. But unfortunately, that's not the case. When you look at the UN, they have a track record going back to literally their first major peacekeeping mission in Katanga. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But they have a long and disgusting track record of brutalizing people, of raping children, of trafficking children into sex slavery, of murdering unarmed protesters. Uh, I mean, just the savagery and the brutality is unspeakable. And adding insult to injury is the fact that these people are never, ever prosecuted. So they all have diplomatic immunity, so they can't be 
uh, brought up on charges in the place where they are perpetrating their crimes. And, you know, these are oftentimes places that are already pretty unstable, don't exactly have, uh, you know, uh, stand-up local law enforcement like we have here. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just been a pattern. And so I always start at Katanga because this was really the, the UN's first, you know, big foray into peacekeeping. So you had a, a little uh, province there in the Congo led by a guy who was pro-America, pro-freedom, pro-West, um, and he didn't want to live under a communist dictator who, had, with the help of the Soviet Union, had taken over the Congo. And so he declared independence, and his people supported him, and uh, everything was fine and well. But then the UN decided that, no, you actually can't just declare independence. You have to live under the communist dictator. And to enforce that, they sent their troops in. And, you know, don't take my word for it. You know, read what the, the Red Cross officials in the area had to say. I mean, these UN troops came in, and they bombed hospitals. They bayoneted children. Uh, you know, just absolute savagery all over the place. And unfortunately, the track record has not gotten any better since then. In fact, the UN admits now, you know, they, they've started in recent years admitting that they have a problem, uh, you know, that their troops are running all over the world raping people and shooting unarmed protesters. I mean, they do it in Haiti. They do it in the Central African Republic. Uh, they've done it in the Ivory Coast. There was a survey in a town in the Ivory Coast. Uh, they interviewed underage girls, and eight out of ten of them said that they were being regularly sexually exploited and raped by these UN troops. Uh, and a couple of years after that survey was done, <coughs> the UN um, peace forces actually joined with uh, jihadists to overthrow the elected president of that country, who happened to be a Christian, and replace him with a Muslim central banker with ties to the IMF. So, uh, you know, the UN's history of peacekeeping is just disgraceful beyond what you can imagine. And then to top it all off, these people never get punished. And, you know, the UN does have the ability to waive immunity from these people. All they have to say is, uh, you know, that wasn't part of your job description to rape children, and therefore you need to stand trial for this. And they never do. Now, this man in Cook County, he's a, is he a Caucasian, a black man, or a white man? Do you happen to know? Uh, yeah, he's a black guy. He's a black man. And uh, if he looked at the racist crimes of many of these UN troops, many of these troops are white. Uh, for example, those soldiers that went into uh, Gatanga back in the 60s, it was mainly uh, Irish soldiers, correct, fighting under the UN banner. Uh, it yep. was led by as a, uh, General Connor Cruz O'Brien, who was very happy. He was delighted by what was going on in Gatanga. And by the way, uh, if you visit the Sam Blumenfeld archives on Camp Constitution's website, campconstitution.net, you will see the correspondence between Sam Blumenfeld and uh, uh, Shombay, Dr. Um, uh, Shombay, who was the leader of Katanga. Uh, Sam got to know him, and, and some of these letters are in French, some of them are English. So it's some great historical documents right there, you know, published, I think, nowhere else but on the website. So from the early, that was in the early 60s. And then um, I remember Somalia in the mid-90s, and I remember the 50th anniversary of the UN, 1995, October, uh, at the Ma Massachusetts State House, there were, like leftist wing groups all over the country, the UN Association was having a celebration, and I got up there with a number of friends, and I had an, a front page picture, and it was a New American, I believe, 1995, and it had two white soldiers holding a Somalian national over a fire, and they were kind of smiling. They thought this was fun, and that's that's in my book, that's torture. And when I went to basic training at Fort Dix back in 1977, 
one of the first things they taught us after there was uh, you know how to how to make our beds and uh, you know, fold our fold our clothes was that you never obey an unlawful order and they went over examples of unlawful orders and torturing uh, especially non-combatants no matter what they do you know my dad was in uh, my father was in uh, Germany when they caught Hermann Goering they didn't treat him that way uh, they did you know they didn't treat some of the worst uh, uh, war criminal types the way they treated a Somalian national and these men were held they were not held accountable no and you know that's that's the norm with these UN troops and uh, you know the gall of these people they say oh yeah you're right UN troops are raping children all over the world Uh, I guess the UN needs more power to deal with this crisis I mean that's the mindset of these people and um, you know I, I have been following this for years. There are so many examples. You know, if you look at what the UN soldiers did in Haiti, uh, you know, and this guy Richard Boykins acts like they're going to come in and protect black people. You know, I mean, I can point you to 20 UN reports where they say, hey, there's way too many black people, way too many Africans in the world. Uh, we need to go make sure they stop having babies, and we need to go bring them abortions so that they stop having so many babies and so on. So, I mean, the UN has long been openly promoting. Uh, population reduction among black people in particular, right? They're especially focused on reducing the number of Africans. But if you look at the way they treat Africans and people of African descent around the world, and I think Haiti's a good example because the occupation, uh, you know, just very recently ended. And, uh, you know, there's so many atrocities going on, you can't even find them. I've, I've gotten notes from police officers who said, hey, I, I reported all this to my superiors, and the only thing that happened to me was I was fired. So, you know, you, one... You know, one particularly sick example that sticks out in my mind is, uh, uh, and this was done with the full approval of the officers, uh, they kidnapped a, a mentally challenged eight-year-old boy and they turned it into a sex ring where they were passing this poor kid around for five years, including... And this is, is this, ha- no, this is Haiti. This is Haiti. This is in Haiti, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, this went on for years and years. And uh, finally, when uh, somebody from America decided they were going to come look into it, they got the boy and they hid him someplace else to try to cover this all up. But this involved the officers, too. So this was well known. And, I mean, there's thousands of children in Haiti who have been raped by these people. There's tens of thousands who are now dead because these U.N. troops were dumping their raw sewage into the rivers that the Haitians used to bathe and to wash their clothes. Um, Over a million people sick. And when somebody tried to get justice, they just say, oh, no, well, we have diplomatic immunity. You can't bring us to court anywhere. And, uh, and so there are all these pedophiles and rapists and, and killers just get away scot-free. And for some strange reason, uh, the folks at CNN uh, haven't been able to get any information on the story. They, they, they don't, they, you haven't told them about this, so they would, you know they'd run the story had they really knew about it. So. <laughs> right, well, they don't call it the Communist News Network and the Clinton News Network for nothing, huh? Now, you mentioned Clinton. In addition to Somalia, I remember the Rwanda massacres that happened uh, about that same time, 96, 97. You had two uh, tribes, two major tribes in that country, the Tutsis and the Hutus. And I believe it was the, uh, let's see, the Tutsis that were uh, the minority. And the Hutus were the majority. And within a very short amount of time, I don't know, several months, close to a million of the minority Tutsis were massacred, many of whom were massacred by machetes, and they weren't even using machine guns. And the UN was supposed to be there to be, uh, you know, to be a buffer between the two. And I believe they promised to help the minority tribe. They actually disarmed them. 
And exactly. then they sort of sat back. And in some cases, I read a report where they use UN trucks to transport these government soldiers to kill the uh, minority tribe. And it was a Canadian general, oh, I'm trying to think his name. Um, he ended up, he, he was so distraught over it because he tried to stop it and was ordered to stand down that they found him in the what is it now? Romeo yeah. Dallaire is the guy's name, and you're exactly right. The UN disarmed the minority members of the tribe there and then uh, allowed the government and uh, its allies to just completely massacre these people. And the irony of ironies is that this is one of the examples that Boykin cites as why they need UN troops in Chicago. Believe it or not. He said, yeah, look what a good job they did in Rwanda. <laughs> why don't we bring them here to Chicago? And you've got to wonder, you know, is this guy like a parody? of a left-wing globalist? I mean, he can't possibly be serious. But then you realize, you know, he probably got brainwashed in school, probably never heard the actual facts about what happened there, and so he's completely misinformed. Well, I hope he's just misinformed and not somebody who wants to see genocide on the streets of Chicago. Um, and that's yep. really the long term. Uh, there was a State Department document, 7277. Now, you wrote, you co-authored a book uh, on globalism. Um, a few years ago, prior to Crimes of the Educators. What's the name of that book? Uh, that's World Federalism 101. And did you make reference to State Department Document 7277? Do you know, we probably did. I don't remember off the top of my head. What we did, yeah. we, just, we didn't even write much. We just pulled quotes directly from the congressional record and from legislation and speeches showing that the agenda was world government. Well, this document, 1961, it was... Uh, it was during the Kennedy administration, and it was a three-step plan for disarmament, disarming the, the militaries of the world, uh, disarming the citizens of, these, of the countries, and having a U.N. standing army. Uh, and the only people would have, and I think the quote is, uh, you know, the only, the, the only people would be armed with those, those police and other government officials with approved types of weapons. So this has been the policy of the State Department. And in 1961, when the average person was you know, brought to their attention, they would scoff and ridicule and, oh, come on, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, here's the document right here. We're not making this up. And I understand that over the years, people have written into the State Department saying, is this still your policy? And they come back and say, yeah, well, we have, we've updated it a bit, but this is the general policy that we're following. And so it's nothing, it's not exactly a conspiracy theory. It is an objective, is to have a UN standing army. Uh, and you remember the Michael New case? Oh, absolutely. The American yeah. soldier who refused to serve under the uh, UN uh, flag and the UN helmet and all the rest of it. Uh, uh, the heroic American who, uh, unfortunately, not enough people have heard about. Yes, I had, I had the uh, privilege of meeting him and his dad a little bit after he got discharged. And it was interesting because uh, he, he said, I took an oath to defend the U.S. Constitution when I joined the Army. And he, was, and he ended up with a, a Turkish commander. Uh, he actually served, I think it was in the Gulf, as a medic. Uh, he served on the U.N. command. And that means, I mean, U.S. command. Of course, all of the, the whole U.N. Uh, Gulf One and Two were basically fought under U.N. auspices, like all of the wars. Uh, but he said, you know, he, they, he want, they want him to wear a U.N. beret. Now, he was an E-4. That's you know, basically a corporal, a specialist for equivalent to a corporal. That's not a high-ranking person. 
it should have been the generals and the admirals that have t- took a step and say, no, we're not doing this. But most of these generals and admirals, the political, political generals or admirals, are the more worried about their careers than they are standing up for America. And uh, about that same time, there was a questionnaire that was done by a Lieutenant Cunningham, Lieutenant C- Commander Cunningham, U.S. Navy, and uh, at the 29, 29 Palms uh, Marine, Naval Marine Base in California. And I think there were about 50 questions. And the last two questions were the more revealing. One of them asked if uh, there was a ban on the second, if the Second Amendment was repealed and the Americans were giving so many days to attend the guns and would you fire upon U.S. citizens that refused? And the last question is, would you take this oath Something like I am a United Nations fighting person. I serve to you know UN and so forth. And now when that story broke, most of the people just assumed that this Lieutenant Commander Cunningham, I think his first name was Guy, I can't be certain, was one of the bad guys. Well, I got a chance to meet him on Lexington Green. He was one of the keynote speakers that was one of the I guess it was considered the the first meeting of the Oath Keepers, although they didn't sponsor the event. Uh, I had to apologize to him, <laughs> and he said that he couldn't. He he understood at the time. He said I couldn't really let people know where I was coming from. But he was a very he's a strong patriot. But he was trying to see. And at that time, I think he said 15% of the Marines that took this survey, all of whom were Gulf War veterans, would fire upon and would take a UN oath. I thought, well, 15. That's still too many. I wonder what that would be today. Well, you know what I've found, uh, and, and you know, it's anecdotal. It's just my own personal experience. But uh, the guys who tend to go into the military tend to be more conservative, uh, you know, more true. Christian, and so you know, I, I think that's one thing that we really do have going for us is that uh, the caliber of the people who have joined the military, I think, tends to be a notch above, uh, you know, much of the rest of the population. You mean, you mean uh, the beta male soy boys don't go into be con rangers? <laughs> <laughs> As you saw, the court now has ordered that uh, the commander-in-chief can't decide whether we're going to have uh, guys who can't figure out whether they're men or women um, joining the military, <laughs> which is just absolute insanity. But, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why Obama was on, uh, you know, such a jihad to uh, feminize and homosexualize and, uh, you know, transsexualize the military. You know, he, he, he just was on this incredible mission to, uh, you know, have homosexuality be openly supported by everyone, you know, persecuting right. officers who refused. I think they purged, what was it, 150 uh, high-ranking officers who uh, weren't totally on board with this agenda. And, you know, we're still dealing with the after effects now. And I think what they want is they want the conservatives and the Christians out of the military, you know, it's really one of the last bastions uh, in terms of government institutions that is not totally dominated by uh, the left-wing globalist statist ideologues, and, um, you know, they don't like that. <laughs> so they've been coming after the military for quite a while now. I know it was Hillary Clinton when she was first lady that said uh, she loathes the military, and then someone yep. said to her, yeah, but at least they're ours now. <laughs> and I remember I got a, I met some, and I was in the U.S. Army back in the 70s. Um, it was interesting. That's where I first realized something was going radically wrong when I was stationed in Germany, combat armed unit with nuclear capabilities, and basically our equipment was antiques. We could have went to the the local, uh, you know, a local weekend uh, antique show, and they probably would have won awards for this, the old equipment that we had that was still running. <laughs> 
1950s vintage stuff. Uh, so I kind of learned a whole lot back then. But they uh, they weren't pushing that agenda. In fact, uh, we did un- there was a homosexual sex ring uncovered in in our area of uh, well, I was stationed in Augsburg, and there was a few senior NCOs and a couple of uh, uh, enlisted men, and they were gone. I mean, the the senior NCOs were given the option to retire with full benefits or be drummed out, and the other they just left them. I mean, it was bingo, no no. There was no ask, no tell. I mean, you just, this was too much of a, a problem. Uh, the military is not a social uh, engineering. It's for one purpose only. When diplomacy breaks down, you got to go there. And as a, a former franchising of mine from Hungary would say, t- kick it to ass and take it to names, you know. That's what you do. You don't sit around and worry about, you know, do I, do I shave my legs? Uh, do I come out? Wearing, uh, you know, wearing my khaki skirt, or do I wear my my khaki pants? You know, uh, that's just not what the military is about. But of course, all it's all about demoralizing and destroying our effectiveness. That's really what's what, what's behind this. Absolutely, and uh, you know, the, the the document you mentioned, um, quite familiar with it, and that absolutely is the long term goal: is to dismantle uh, our national military, put it under the control of the United Nations, whatever's left. And um, and you know dismantle the rest of national sovereignty. And if you see in the European Union, that's happening right this instant. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, they signed a formal pact saying that hey, we're going to start merging our militaries here. And you know that's a big step. You know, if there's one thing that's really closely tied to national identity, it's a country's armed forces. You know, when you think of America, one of the first things people think about is our veterans and our troops. You know, that's the guys right. that that's right. yeah. flag that because that's they're disrespecting right. our military. And so we're moving in that direction. And people need to realize, you know, that is that is a big step. And, you know, just think about the potential for mission. Just look what the U.N. troops are doing now when we theoretically could hold them all accountable. What happens once there's no longer any constraints on this? Then we are in for some a seriously rude awakening, I suspect. Well, I actually think uh, our friend there in Cook County has done us a favor because he has now kind of let the cat out of the bag. So it's no longer, oh, a kooky conspiracy theory. This is something that's actually what they advocate. And I think it gives us a great chance to educate people about the UN. And, you know, over the years, I've had some well, well-intentioned people say things like, oh, you know, the UN, it's not the problem you think it is, Hal. They're just a bunch of harmless, you know, useless people on the East River. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, but I think now uh, that ch- that uh, tune is changing a little bit. And now what would you recommend to the to the millions of listeners all over the world who are concerned about this? Where, where would you start as far as, um, you know, what, what, what would you recommend besides reading your great article on, uh, on the, from the New American that was recently uh, posted? Uh, well, thank you, Alan. You know, I, I agree with you. I think this guy did inadvertently do us a favor. Uh, and you know, if you look at the reaction he got on Facebook and on social media, on Twitter, you see there is not one supportive comment. I almost wonder if this wasn't meant as some kind of, you know, uh, Folks. honey trap. Yeah, try well, try to you know get see who would support this if and when the time came. See if anybody raises uh-huh. their hand. And um, you know, nobody has. I mean, he didn't get a single person who said, "Oh, yeah, that's a good idea." But as for what we do about this, you know, I, I think there's a very, very simple answer, and that is H.R. 193. It's called the American Sovereignty Restoration Act. Uh, it's sitting in the House Foreign Affairs Committee as we speak, and uh, it's a very simple bill. If I'm not mistaken, it's like four pages long, and it does four key things. 
Uh, it repeals the UN Participation Act, which first authorized our participation in the United Nations. Uh, it evicts the UN's headquarters, which, by the way, is filled with communists and spies and terrorists and all kinds of other people that we do not want in our Sex country. Predators too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're just by the boatload. And they all have diplomatic immunity, so they can flaunt the law as much as they like, and there's not much we can do about it. So it would remove this nest of, uh, of terrorists and spies and communists and Islamists from our shores, which, uh, you know, it's like getting the Trojan horse out of our borders. It would be a great step. Uh, it repeals our participation in all of the different UN agencies and prohibits any funding from the American taxpayer. And finally, it prohibits our soldiers from being used under um, under UN auspices. So it would block, uh, you know, we would have no more stories like the one we discussed earlier where an American soldier was told to put on a, a UN beret. Well, uh, that's good. That's very good. Uh, now, if there was any one particular book uh, for the listeners to get to get a handle on it, what would you recommend? Uh, there's a number of good ones out there. Uh, I know uh, William F. Jasper, a friend, and in my opinion, uh, one of the best journalists in America. He has uh, some good books out there about that. Uh, Jack McManus has a good book out there on the United Nations. Uh, William Grigg uh, has another very, very good book about the United Nations. And Global I think Gun Grab, I think it was called. Yeah, a little, that's a little right. paperback about yeah. how the UN is coming for your guns. And so, uh, you know, all of these are very good resources. And, you know, if people want just uh, short summaries of these things, they can head over to thenewamerican.com and uh, read some of the articles that we have posted there. You know, we have articles on all different angles of this, more than enough to fill, you know, probably an encyclopedia at this point. And so, you know, just get informed and educate your neighbors and uh, let's get this bill passed so we can, uh, yeah, and, and I'll, I'll give Trump credit where credit is due. He's done some great things vis-a-vis the United Nations. Uh, you know, he's already announced that we're withdrawing from UNESCO. He's announced that we're getting Wait, that's an excellent agreement. step. It's not far enough, but it's it's a good step. Exactly right. So now we're moving in the right direction, at least, which you know we haven't been for quite some quite some time. So that's encouraging news, and we need to keep pushing. You know, I think there's this um, error uh, prevalent in the upper reaches of the Trump administration that the UN can somehow be reformed or that it can even be you know brought to heel and used for uh, America First purposes. That's ludicrous. I mean, that you know, is, it, that's it, right. It comes from a poison seed. It's only going to produce poison fruit. We need to rip it out by the roots and chuck it in the fire. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Alex, for your your time here. May you and your family have a wonderful Christmas. And to my listeners, Merry Christmas. And uh, until next week, uh, may God bless you. And also visit our website, campconstitution.net. Visit our YouTube channel where we have a lot of great programs on the United Nations as well. Thank you so much, Alex. Merry Christmas.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.